The portion of God's Word that we are going to focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our risen redeemer, our good shepherd. Amen. All right, help me get to know you all a little bit better. Raise your hand if you can honestly say the phrase, when I grew up on the farm. When I grew up on the farm. Raise your hand. All right. Now, raise your hand if you can say you had sheep on the farm. Ah, one. You're the first one, Bob. (laughs) Thursday, we had a couple. This morning, we had a couple. You are the oldest. (laughs) Only one who actually has any experience with sheep. And this is important for us to chew on because... A lot of us don't have any experience with sheep whatsoever. We are very far removed from Jesus' day when shepherding was much more common. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he's not pulling an illustration that no one can relate to. No, he's pulling an illustration that's very relatable to the people that he's talking to. Just like when King David wrote the words of Psalm 23, and he talked about how the Lord is his shepherd. He, He knew exactly what that meant Because he himself was a shepherd of sheep. And that was very common for the people in the day. And so I suppose we could spend our time today trying to better understand what it's like to be a shepherd. And we could even spend time, kind of like we did in the children's devotion, focusing on sheep and trying to learn their tendencies, their behaviors, so that we could better understand this picture that Jesus paints for us today. But instead, today we're going to do something a little different because Jesus leaves us with a comparison in this section that requires no experience from us that we don't have. You don't have to understand what it's like to be a shepherd. You don't have to understand exactly what sheep are like to understand the comparison that Jesus makes between himself and a hired hand. But before we get into the text again, I want to take a moment to talk about a hired hand. Because just like we live in a culture that's not as familiar with shepherding as other cultures are and have been, we do live in a culture that's very familiar with work, being a hired hand. In our culture, it is a good thing to be employed. It is a a good thing to be a hired hand. We have a very high view of employees and hard workers. And so when you think of a hired hand, you, you might immediately have a very high level of respect for that person, and understandably so. 
while it's true that we all acknowledge that an employer is capable of overworking an employee, and we all acknowledge that it's possible for an employee to work so hard that responsibilities at home or other responsibilities might be neglected, generally speaking, when we think of hard work, that's a a positive thing. But one thing remains, even in our culture, where we respect hard work the way we do. Even the best employees, the hardest working employees, they will never view their job the same way as the owner. There will always be a difference between the owner of a business and a hired hand. You could be the hardest working hired hand ever, but at some point as a hired hand, your own life is more valuable than the business. And there are things that could happen. You could be treated in a certain way by the owner of the business where you'd say, that's, that's as far as I'm willing to go. At, at some point, my life, the life of my family is more valuable than this job. And that's the point. The point is that the hired hand is not the owner and the hired hand will never be the owner. Take a listen to the first half of our text once again. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. A few verses before our text at the beginning of John chapter 10, we're told exactly who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to bad shepherds. He's talking to hired hands. He's talking to people who don't care about the sheep entrusted to their care. And we're told something very interesting about these hired hands. Jesus says, so when he sees the wolf coming, Jesus tells us that the hired hands are seeing danger. They're not just looking at it. They're not just noticing it. They have time to see it and contemplate it and understand what it means. They know who the wolf is and they know what the wolf wants. They see clear danger and they see the object of the danger, the ones the wolf wants, the sheep. And they know wolves don't settle for one sheep. They take as many as they can. The sheep scatter and the wolf will pick off one after one as many as he can get his hands on before they're all scattered. The hired hand sees the danger, knows who's in danger, and runs away. So what does this have to do with us? Let's set the obvious examples aside for a minute. We'll pick them up in, in a second. But let's, let's set the ob- obvious example of parenting, grandparenting. Let, let's set those aside because parents, grandparents, you have people entrusted to your care. But let's talk to people who are maybe single or even if you're not single, you think that you don't really have any other people entrusted to your care right now. Maybe you have some lady friends, though, and and you go out and and you get coffee together every once in a while. Maybe you exercise together. You you live life together. What do your conversations with them look like? What topics come up easily? 
Do you discuss the church stuff, the, the, the heavy things, or, or do the conversations stay on a, a less intrusive plane? You know what I mean, the, the things that entertain you the most, different life experiences, you know, funny stories that have happened to you lately. You see what's happening in the life of your friends? They're not in God's word. They might belong to a church nominally, but it's not a part of their life. As you listen to them talk, the things that they're most concerned about are, are things that don't last. They're, they're temporary things. They're things that are going to burn up on judgment day. Their focus is not on the things that matter. They're not focused on God's word at all. Are they in danger? Is there a pack of wolves surrounding them? Do you see the danger? I bet you do. And guys, you're not exempt either. You got your, your pals you get together with to fish, to hunt. Maybe you go golfing. Where do the conversations go? Brewers, latest hunting trends, new equipment, new boat, new guns. Again, it's the less intrusive stuff, right? I mean, are you seeing danger in the life of the friends around you? Are, are they being surrounded by wolves? What do you do when you see the wolves attacking? Do you, do you shield them or do you walk the other way? Parents, I'm not letting you off the hook. You see danger? You see danger looking at your children, prowling around looking to destroy them? The internet's an easy example. There's all sorts of danger out there. The internet's full of, of people who would harm. It's full of dangerous content. Do you see the danger? If you give your kids a device, maybe a cell phone or a tablet or a laptop, a way to access the internet, but there's no guidance, no training, no oversight, what are you doing? You see the danger, don't you? And, and yet you just walk the other way? Kids grow up. Maybe they post some pictures that make you kind of... You see some behavior that's less than savory. You hear them talk about their lives and they, they laugh about experiences, moments that is, it, it's clearly sin. The pictures seem to portray... Had a little too much to drink. The, the conversation, the stories, they're not good things. There's danger all around them. What, what do you do? Do you protect them? Or do you chuckle and say, ah, kids being kids. I was the same way when I was their age, sadly. But it's true. When the wolves are prowling around those in your life, do you see the danger? I bet you do. Do you protect or do you run away? When I told you that we know who Jesus is talking to, I didn't tell you exactly who they were. I did that for a reason. We tend to hear this group of people and we say, oh yeah, it's those people again. It's those guys. They're always the ones with the problem. Who's the hired hand? More often than I'd like to admit, it's me. It's you. 
We're the ones who see danger and we value our own lives more than the safety of those who are threatened. And so we go the other way. It's important for us to see this reality, to focus on who the hired hands are, to see ourselves in the hired hands so that when we see Jesus' comparison between himself and the hired hands, we can begin to understand just how good he is. When Jesus says he is the good shepherd, he's also telling us that he sees the same thing the bad shepherd sees. He sees the wolves. He sees the danger. He sees the threat. And he never runs away. He always stays to protect. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And later again, he says, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And as good Christians, immediately our mind goes to the time when Jesus died. To that time when he, quote unquote, lay down his life for the sins of the world. And yes, Jesus did die for the sins of the world. And yes, Jesus did rise again. But the picture here is not so much focused on Jesus losing his life. It's not so much a a picture of his death. The word Jesus uses to to lay aside here, think of it like you have a, a garment, a coat, and you set it down for a minute. And then maybe you pick it back up again when you need it. Jesus is talking about his life that way and he literally says, I lay aside my life over the sheep. In other words, my life is not used for my own benefit. I don't focus on my life and say, I need this to benefit me. No, he uses his life as a shield to protect the sheep. It's his perfect life, the life that we fail to live the life that was offered as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, he uses his perfect life, not in the past, not one time to defend against one attack and then left dead, but constantly, all the time. It's present tense. I am laying down my life continually. I am using my life continually as a shield to protect my sheep. We often run away. Jesus never runs away. He stays and protects always. Jesus is the good shepherd because of who he is. He is the perfectly selfless shepherd who is always watching over you and me. Jesus is the good shepherd because of what he's done in the past. Because he did die on a cross for the sins of the world, pouring out his blood to buy you and me to purchase us, to make us his very own prized possessions, sheep dearly loved and dearly cared for. And he is good because of what he continues to do all the time, constantly, daily, watching over us, shepherding us, guiding us all the way to paradise. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. 
They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. But by his grace, you are also good sheep. And that that might sound strange at first because we are nothing but stinky and, and sinful. We make mistakes constantly. How can we be good? It's because of who the good shepherd is and because of what the good shepherd has done. It's because the good shepherd is perfectly selfless. It's because the good shepherd has bought us back with his own blood. It's because the good shepherd continually cares for us day after day and protects us. Think about it from the father's perspective. When he looks at you and me, what does he see? He sees sheep that his son dearly loves. He sees his son's precious sheep. He sees sheep that his son is vigorously defending day after day. He hears Jesus say, those are my sheep. I'm the one who owns them. They belong to me. It's because we are sheep of the good shepherd that we are now viewed as being good ourselves. We're the ones who fail. We're the ones who don't look after those that God has put in our lives. And yet what's true? Jesus is the good shepherd. He shepherds us, those who are in danger, those who put others in danger Jesus protects us. He defends us. You belong to him. Jesus is the good shepherd. And you are his precious good sheep. Amen.